0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Here in Greer, the official podcast of the City of Greer. Thank you again for joining us. We have a very exciting show planned. Our guest is Jim Rigel, the IT manager for the City of Greer. Jim, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Steve. Happy to be here. Well, February 9th is Safer Internet Day. And that's an international move to make sure that we can make the Internet a better place, all users. Tell us a little bit about your background and why you chose IT as a career and what sort of training you did.
1: Well, I chose IT because computers was becoming a new technology when I was coming up. And I liked the technology. I liked the new creative ways it was being implemented in the world and decided to go into that and pursue that further. Um, Education has me uh, developing a programming degree. Uh, I have a business management degree, uh, and I have a master's in organizational leadership. Uh, those degrees, combined together with the education that I've picked up on my own and other classes and workshops that I've attended, have enabled me to utilize those degrees in the technology area and progress along with technology as well.
0: Now, especially the Internet. I mean, with 1990s, you know, this was new technology for us, uh, and you, like me, you are a very experienced worker So uh, we've been around, we've seen this progression, and especially with the internet, as quickly as it's grown with social media, online commerce, et cetera, what challenges have you had to adapt to with the internet as the years have gone by?
1: Many of the challenges that we face now are, one, what's real and what's not. Um, Just because it's on the internet does not mean it's legitimate, that it's valid, Uh, and anything that you can really take to the bank on that you hear about. There's lots of other hackers out there that are taking novice users and even experienced users and trying to get them to divulge information about themselves and the systems that they use to be used against them to hack into bank accounts, get passwords, and those types of things.
0: So it's probably a good idea to have a healthy dose of paranoia when you go on the website.
1: A little bit of paranoia is a good thing. And there are some standard things that you can look for that many people will quickly overlook, like, for example, Microsoft. You can look at it very quickly, and it might be spelled incorrectly, but your mind says, oh, yeah, that's Microsoft. And next thing you know, you've clicked on something, and it's the wrong thing because you very quickly looked at it. So we need to be somewhat meticulous about what we look at and not just make a general sweeping globalization of, oh, yeah, that's valid. Well, let's talk a little bit about your
0: roles with the city. Uh, what, what are the things you do and, and how do you try to educate city employees about safety on the Internet?
1: Well, that's one of the things I really love about my job here at the city is that I get to deal with all types of technology from computers, laptops, tablets, cell phones, security cameras, um, the telephone systems. Uh, as I say, if you can plug a power cord into it, I'm probably responsible for it in some shape or fashion. So there's lots of variety there. In that variety, there's also education to our users and the citizens that we have about how we can utilize that technology safely.
0: Great, and I know you've done a wonderful job on doing that here. Everyone is using that healthy dose of paranoia when, when we go on the website <laughs> with the city. And it's, it's really justified. How many hacker attempts internationally do you track over the course of a month?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, many of the hacker attempts now are robotic. Uh, they have a computer program that runs, that's making phone calls, is making hacker attempts to get into your network. And I would say, on average, we are seeing anywhere from about 3,000 to 5,000 attempts per day. Uh, we are actually down to the point now of we are blocking uh, attempts from countries. So it's an international
0: problem as well as a domestic problem.
1: It is very much an international problem. Uh, It was really brought to my attention uh, about a year or so ago when the uh, Secretary of Defense for Israel said his number one task and major concern for his country is cybersecurity.
0: The odds are good that the bad guys are keeping up with this technology and are trying to stay one step ahead of guys like you that are trying to stop it. So, uh, you know, that's a challenge.
1: It is a challenge. Um, you know, unfortunately, we are always a step behind in trying to prevent hacker attempts because we can kind of look forward, but they're getting into minute weeds of what they're doing, and we're unfortunately, unfortunately I should say, uh, reacting to that. So we're in many ways, we are a slight step behind, but in also in other ways, we are ahead of them uh, in blocking some of the other attempts that uh, we see coming and potential opportunities for hacking attempts.
0: But well, we are very blessed to have you at the City of Greer, where you were able to stay on top of things. For about the last year, when COVID-19 became a part of our lexicon and our lifestyles, people started working at home. And they may not necessarily have the same protection, uh, the same resources that we have through your IT office. Let's talk a little bit about some of the ways they can make sure they're not falling prey to the bad guys. Uh, what are some things they can do to make sure from home on their, or just on their home computers that they are well-prepared for this.
1: Well, one of the things people can do is make sure your software programs and antivirus programs are up-to-date. Your Windows browsers, for example, um, where you're using Mozilla Firefox or Microsoft Edge or Chrome, always make sure that you have the latest version. Those upgrades are free. It's just simply a matter of clicking on your your tools icon and checking for updates. Always make sure those are up-to-date. Uh, You definitely need to have a good antivirus program that you're running at home, whether it be one that runs locally on your computer or maybe a cloud subscription that you can use. Um, Definitely have something of that nature.
0: Okay, what are some of the ways that the bad guys out there may try to, say, find a way in to unaware users or, or try to trick users?
1: One of the big attempts now is called a phishing attempt, where you may get an email from someone that looks legitimate, but if you... Point at the link that's in that email, and please, by all means, do not click on it. Just move your mouse pointer over it and look at the email address that pops up. One of the things, when you look at that, that email link that pops up, it will have a funny name to it. Many times it's just a series of letters and numbers with the at symbol, and it might have some funky name like xyzcorp.com or .org or something of that nature. That is a real major indicator that this link is not legitimate. When you click on these links, it's easy for software to be downloaded to your computer system. And once that's there, you might not detect it. Your antivirus system may not detect it right away. But things that can be compromised would be any online accounts. If you do your banking online, if that software has been downloaded to your system, the bad actor can get your username and your password to that banking website that you go to. And next thing you know, your bank account has been cleaned out completely.
0: Let's talk a little bit about passwords. Um, You know, I understand that using the word password is not a very good recommended approach these days. Uh, What are the best practices?
1: Best practices for passwords now are not to use a password. And by that, I mean use a passphrase. Instead of having a single word, like maybe your pet's name or your a childhood nickname you may have had, use a phrase like climb every mountain with an exclamation point. Put spaces in there. Um, a phrase is much, much more difficult to decipher than an actual pass word. So pass phrases are best to use. And make it something that you can remember very easily. Um, if you have multiple accounts like I do, Trying to have a different password for each one can really be confusing. So try to use a passphrase that maybe describes what you're doing on that website, but not use an actual name of the website. So if you do something on, not a promotion by any chance, but something on Bank of America, maybe your passphrase might be, check my money, or something of that nature. Something you can remember, but don't have Bank of America as your password.
0: What about two-factor authorizations now. We're beginning to see that with more accounts and social media, etc. Is
1: that another positive step? Two-factor authentication is another good valuable tool to help prevent um, hacking and unauthorized access. What it requires now is that you have two separate identification techniques, whether it be an email, a text message, even a phone call. So now if there's a bad actor that has your password to one of your accounts, now, they also have to have access to your cell phone as well as uh, another, possibly another email account or even a home phone number uh, in order to compromise your account. So, two factor authentication is a really good method. It's being used more and more today.
0: Something I've been wondering about are keychains on your computer. Um, you know, it's very easy if you log into a site and it will remember your password and automatically plug it in. But if somebody hacks into your keychain, they're going to have all your passwords, aren't they?
1: That is a major concern. Um, However, the nice thing about the keychains is the latest encryption techniques are used. That encryption is then sent off-site to another location where it's further encrypted in that site. So now if the bad actor gets access to your computer system, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have access to that cloud system as well that has additional security measures in place. So it's very well protected uh, on both ends.
0: So if a website user does have a question, they can look at the website first, make sure they're not being sent to a, a mirrored site, a pirated site, a site that, as you say, the bad actor may have set up to extract more information. What are some of the things they can do to look at on a website once they land to make sure that it's the site they want?
1: One of the things you can look at is the actual URL. What's up in the address bar? If the site has been redirected, you will see lots of information there in that URL. Um, going to Microsoft.com, up in your URL, it says simply Microsoft.com. But if there's other information after that, it's probably been a redirected link. Also on some of these sites, you'll see misspellings. And it's hard to believe, but you'll see a Microsoft logo. I keep harping on Microsoft here. Uh, you'll see that logo for the actual site you want to go to. But if you look further down in the small details of the website, you may find misspelled words. You won't find that on legitimate websites.
0: It's kind of scary when you look at it. But, uh, you know, if you look at being a home user, uh, it's much like. Driving somewhere in town. If you stay away from the seedy side of town, you're probably going to be all right.
1: Yes, uh, it's it's very easy to get into that seedy side of the website, uh, just of the internet. Just be very careful about what you click on and what you're looking for. When you do like a Google search, for example, and you get a list of all these websites that are available, look at the descriptions of where you're going. Uh, if it's not a true company that you recognize, I would be very leery or hesitant to go to that website.
0: Yeah, you know, the Super Bowl has just passed, and millions of users were going to any site they could to see the Super Bowl commercials, um, get latest on the game, you know, go to ESPN, Fox Sports, they're going to have what you need. Okay, let's talk a little bit about something people always look for, and that's free public Wi-Fi, whether it's a hotel, a cafe, uh, you go to one of the coffee houses, they advertise that. How secure is... Free public Wi-Fi.
1: Free public Wi-Fi really is not secure at all. Um, many times it's very convenient. It's offered as a convenience, but the problem with free public Wi-Fi is who's ever hosting that for you is not providing any real protection for you. It's just general access. The problem with that is that when you go to um, like these coffee shops or even in the airports, anyone else there with a computer can also offer a Wi-Fi signal for you when you connect to that unsecured signal they can get all the information about what you're doing on the internet on that site so that Wi-Fi signal can capture passwords that you might put in uh, it can capture websites that you go to other um, what we call metadata about uh, websites and emails and things that you send they can make copies of all of that analyze it and now they have your personal information.
0: Well, one more protection factor that we need to discuss are VPNs. Uh, What are those and how secure are those and do you recommend them?
1: A VPN is a very good tool to use. Uh, It stands for virtual private network. Many companies will utilize a VPN so that when they have workers that are working from home, they can make a secure internet connection to the corporation or company that they're working for and then work as though they were sitting in their office desk, but they're actually at home. For the private user, uh, typically you won't have a VPN connection unless you're trying to connect to a specific company that you're working for.
0: Well, what's uh, the best way to educate children? And I'm going to throw seniors into this because we have a lot of seniors who are coming in, maybe using Facebook or or doing online shopping just for the convenience. What's the best way to, to educate them about safe internet usage?
1: One sure way to get more information on that is there are free classes that are offered, especially for seniors. Um, children are getting information now in the schools uh, as they're using these Chromebooks and other tools for their daily education. They're getting information about that. Um, for seniors, you can look on, believe it or not, on television. There's lots of programs on like PBS, for example, that offer uh, tools and tips and tricks on what to look out for, what not to do, as you're working on your computer and working on the internet. Uh, Community colleges have continuing education programs that they can take to learn more about computers and safety as well. There's always uh, information in various types of magazines and even online sites uh, that can give you information about security on the internet.
0: Well, the city of Greer started a few years ago a computer course for seniors uh, that's been immensely popular And I believe it is still being offered contact Justin Miller in our recreation department for information about that. And we'll keep things updated on the website as well at www.cityofgreer.org. Jim, tell us what a, uh, what a digital footprint is.
1: A digital footprint is just like if you're walking in the snow that we just recently had, when you step out there and take a walk, you're leaving a footprint in the snow. Anything you do on the computer, on the internet, you're leaving that same type of footprint. Where What website you visited, what you did on that website, what information you requested from that website. Did you click on an ad on that website to go get information on something that looked pretty interesting to you? All that information is collected about your system and is stored in a database somewhere. Many businesses are using that now so that if you go into a business and you're on your cell phone, you browse and look on the Internet for maybe a comparative price for something that you might be shopping for. If you're using their public Wi-Fi that they provide, they can capture that information so that the next time you get on your phone and you pull up something on the internet and all of a sudden an ad pops up for that faucet that you were looking for, you're like, where did that come from? Well, it's all been captured because you did something on the internet somewhere and that information was captured. Does that tie into what we hear about with cookies? It does indeed. Um, many websites are now, well, they all have been using cookies. Uh, the GDPR that is now over in Europe that has now progressed worldwide is we now have to let users know that cookies are being tracked on your system. And all a cookie is is what you've done on that website. Did you do a search? Did you look for a specific item? What item did you look for? Um, are there trends of what you look for on these various websites. Many times, login information is also tracked. So the username, when you go to a website, your username may, may be automatically populated in the username box. The password won't, but the username will.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about social media, which has been a uh, probably one of the more popular things on the internet in the last decade or so, started with Facebook and Twitter, and it seems to evolve every week with a new platform for social media. Uh, what are some of the best practices that especially young people should be concerned about with social media?
1: One thing with social media, which you do not want to do, is put personal information out there. Something that's very popular that's often done that i see many times is they'll say, out on the back deck looking at the, the birds go by, or sitting in the park, well, guess what? When you're sitting at the park, you're telling hackers, I'm not at home. So now you've just let everybody know your schedule for when you're at home, when you're not. You've opened your home now to potential vandalism and theft when you're not at home. Um, especially younger people, they always tell, you know, I'm walking home, I'm seeing this uh, at this particular restaurant. You know, I'm walking down the street seeing this information. As you keep posting that, hackers can then put a trend together of, again, When you're home, when you're not, when you're in transit, are you walking, are you riding your bike, are you driving? All that information is very easily trackable. So it's not a good idea to put that type of personal information out there.
0: The other concern I think for especially parents is young people making new friends online. You know, your, your daughter may say, oh, I made a new 13-year-old girl who's in Texas, and, you know, we're having great conversations. Is that a really a 13-year-old girl in Texas?
1: That is the real question. Um, many times it is a predator pretending to be a 13-year-old. Um, that wins your confidence over time, gets you to meet them somewhere, and next thing you know, something very undesirable happens. So you have to be very careful because there's no way to really truly tell is that person another 13-year-old, or is it an adult pretending to be a 13-year-old? Somewhat because of the
0: anonymity of social media, although in some cases your name is attached to it, people feel the, the opportunity to really cut loose on their thoughts and feelings. We saw that a lot more last year with the election, with social matters, and people really you know, said some things that were pretty hurtful to others. The concern that I have for my child and some others is that these things don't go away. Uh, If you're going to be hired in a few years for a position, your potential new employer can go on, look at your social media sites, and see some of the things you've said. How much do parents need to be concerned about that and and kind of urging children and seniors to be uh, very civil in online conversations?
1: People are going out now on social media, and it, it opens up the opportunity for you to express your thoughts and feelings. But keep in mind, what you're expressing could be offensive to someone else. As an employer looking for that background on individuals, I might go to a social media website to look and see, are they posting anything out there? What are they posting? Are they using all capital letters as though they're shouting? Uh, is what they're posting, could, be, could that be considered offensive in some form or fashion? Is that someone I want to bring in here as an employer to put them in the same environment with that same type of mentality?
0: And what you tend to see with many people is that becomes a trend in how they act online. But when they get into the professional world, you may come across a social media policy with a company or an organization. And you have to distance yourself completely for that. Never mention the fact that you work there. Or you run the risk of uh, some, some penalty. You know, it's, it's something that we have to look at in the future. It's something I always advise young people to do is act like your mother's on the other end of that. You know, kind of be careful as you move forward to to
1: make sure that those comments don't follow you. Absolutely, because they definitely will follow you wherever you go.
0: Let's talk about online shopping to close things out because that's something that certainly continues on the rise. Black Friday last year with COVID regulations, we saw the majority of that being done online. What are some of the things to look for when you're uh, doing online commerce?
1: One of the things you want to look for is to make sure that when you start providing that credit card information that you're communicating securely. Up in the top left-hand corner, of your address bar, if that connection is secure, you'll see a little lock, picture of a lock up there. That will let you know that it is secured, that uh, there's not a real possible way that the information can be intercepted or taken as you uh, process that credit card transaction. If you don't see a lock of that nature, then be very leery, I, I would not post it. All e-commerce is done, that's done today is done securely. So again, if that lock is not there, I would not put any information out there.
0: How about on free public Wi-Fi?
1: Even on free public Wi-Fi, because that transaction is encrypted locally on your computer before it's sent out, even though the Wi-Fi is free and information can be captured, because it is encrypted, they have to have some really, really strong tools to decrypt that information to get that credit card. Um, Still would be very leery of it, but if you have to do that, make sure it is encrypted.
0: Certainly a very good conversation, Jim. We could go on for hours about internet safety and things to do. We do recommend people go out and do a little bit of research. You mentioned the ways earlier. Uh, Look at some of the things to educate yourself, your children, your parents or grandparents about, and make sure that you're safe. As those of us who are old enough to remember the old Hill Street Blues television show, at the end of their morning meeting, they said, let's be safe out there. So that's kind of the key.
1: Yes, indeed. Just all in all, just remember when you're doing things on the Internet, would you do or say anything if you were sitting right next to a bad actor that's standing there with a notepad taking out everything you say? Would you put something out there you want them to know?
0: Very good advice, Jim. We thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right. Well, Tuesday, February 9th is Safer Internet Day. It's an international program to make sure that everyone who uses the internet can help make it a safer place, whether it's you, your children, your grandchildren, your grandparents or parents. Uh, it's something we all need to look out for and, and try to stop, as Jim mentioned, the bad actors before they even start. So for Jim Ridgel and Lily Norvell, our executive producer, this is Steve Owen saying thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next time on Here in Greer, the official podcast of the City of Greer. Take care of each other, everyone.